Hi, I'm Sarah Noble, your host for the Modern Day Intuitive Podcast. For over 25 years, I've been on a spiritual journey, searching, learning, expanding, and growing. I've traveled the world, led by my heart, on a quest to know myself so that I can support others. This podcast was created from my deep desire to help you connect with your intuition and to inspire you to create a life where the impossible becomes possible and you live into your sacred dreams and desires. Thanks for being here and enjoy the show. Hello, my sweet loves. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here for another wonderful episode and reading. I do want to let you know if you haven't already signed up for the free mini course, The Intuitive Soul Awakening. There's lots of content there, three hours of video teaching, there's ceremony guidelines, ritual, inquiry, lots of ways for you to dive into your intuitive journey and to really trust yourself and your intuition and this path that you are on. So there's a link in the show notes for you to enroll, and I'd love to have you there with us in that space. So for our reading today, Rory is here with us, and Rory is very creative, and he has a non-traditional learning style, and he's been on this really big healing journey around this sort of non-linear way of learning that he grew up navigating And he's seeking guidance on how to communicate more effectively and build relationships because he feels that this way that his mind works and the way that he learns how to interact with the world keeps him from being able to communicate effectively. So it's this really beautiful reading and we wind through how giving your younger self the love and validation it is searching for outside yourself is so important And we look at past trauma and how it relates to our daily lives. We talk about trusting yourself and the journey that you are on and how this lie of separation that we get caught in, how we can use this to actually protect ourselves. We look at the parts of you that you show to the world versus who you truly are and how closing this gap between these two versions of yourself creates trust and creates more of how you can live in alignment with the flow of life and your life and your purpose and your mission. And of course, a favorite of mine, we look at some energetic practices of collecting energy and healing energetic body parts. So my loves, enjoy this beautiful reading with Rory. I love you. Hi, Rory. Welcome to the podcast. How can I help you today? Hi, Sarah. Thanks for inviting me here. Just a tiny little bit of background before I mention what it is that I would like to explore, which is the grades I received when I was 16 and the school context. I failed my English language, which was first language, compared to a lot of the coursework-based exams. And that really taught me that the system didn't really cater for showing intelligence as a creative being that we are as humans but also those that don't fit into this box around what is perceived as one type of intelligence you know to memorize stuff so i felt not good enough and misunderstood around that whole process and carried that frustration throughout my time and developed a psychosis in my early 20s 
And then I recovered through manual therapy, reflexology, and was like, wow, I wanted to learn how to help others because it was the body relaxation, creating a mind healing, going from psychosis to feeling better again. And so I became a massage therapist and then an osteopath, and I've considerably grown in understanding myself, and I've become physical healings and mental healings and I've seen what's possible to change over time and I grew into the coaching space to get coaching so that I could set up my own business. I was working for others in the past but now I'm working for myself and it's a big identity shift and so I see how I can help others with this process too and the reason I'm saying all that is that when I was studying osteopathy I insisted on the test of dyslexia and I got diagnosed as dyslexic, which helped me to get through the course and explain why I didn't know how to ask for help or explain my emotions all the way through up until my 30s. And then I started to explore how to do that. So I've got better at communication, but I'm also wondering what's possible to change going forwards with the beliefs about myself that are even more solid than the ones that I've seen or the the, the more executive functions that have changed through practice, like reading and writing, once I could relax and do that, I got better at it. So my belief system around processing speed is quite there. I call it the boomerang mind because I throw out a question and then use my intuition, which I've practiced through listening to music and playing music all my life as well to keep myself feeling safe and sane and loving music. And it's that throwing in a question out there and sometimes not being able to have an answer straight away and using my intuition to find that answer. And that spills out into daily life too around just messaging and keeping up with messages and relationships and building a business. It's all about relationships. So I keep coming up against relationship building as a deep belief. Maybe there's a belief around that I can't maintain relationships and it's the fear of rejection underneath all of this through this whole process of feeling rejected from society from a very young age so it's quite a deep (laughs) thing we're talking about today and i'm interested in exploring that belief system and what comes up going forwards and what is possible to change about that so i would i'd love to be able to just respond really quickly to messaging and be much more in flow more often rather than these resistances that keep coming up around applying myself through communication. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I'm celebrating you for such a big journey of taking that pain and really nourishing yourself and doing something with it, something big. So what I see is your heart is broken and there's a little boy to the image and he's curled up and his heart is broken and that is still playing out inside you and the way that i see the energy is it's it's rising up from your heart chakra and it's gripping your throat chakra are you familiar with the chakra system yes okay so the energy of the broken heart is blocking your ability to speak or communicate, right, is a better word, in the way that you desire to, because it's being influenced by this really young, tender version of you that is still needing something from you. It needs to 
remember, he needs to remember his wholeness. He needs to remember that you are divine, you are whole, you are complete, you are deserving just because, for no reason. There's a part of you that feels you need to explain yourself and make excuses for the truth of you. So what happens when I share that with you? Well, it makes a lot of sense in the sense that I've yeah I've gone through understanding these processes and I feel like I've made a lot of headway with it all. And I do a daily practice in the morning of acknowledging the hurt and feeling it and bowing down to it, not trying to fight it, but actually feeling it and then celebrating my whole self. So yeah, what you say in the way that you're interpreting it and, and feeding it back, it makes sense. It makes sense. In that practice that you have, do you specifically work with your inner child, your little boy, or is it more general? So what I do is call it the victim because it's not necessarily how old that is. It's a story of the victim passed down and attached, like you say, attached around the heart. And when I think of the boy, I think of the boy before he was hurt. So when I visualize it, I'm visualizing the empathy I have for myself that is whole and pure. So the victim is the hurt part, or not even part as such. I didn't even agree that it's me, but it's the armor that's learned to be worn, as it were. That's the way I perceive it. Yeah, and that's a beautiful practice. And I'd love to add something to it if you're open to hearing, to incorporating possibly something new. Mm -hmm. So in my experience, right, I understand what you're saying about the victim and depersonalizing it. And I do agree with that. A lot of what we carry isn't even our own and we personalize it and we identify with it. And there's a beautiful freedom in disidentifying and letting go and taking off the armor. So I agree with all of that. Where I have experienced profound change and growth is when we actually take that wounded little child and we parent it the way that he wasn't or she wasn't, right? And we hold that child close and we hug him and we speak words of love and kindness and encouragement that he didn't hear. He heard a lot of other things about who he is, but he possibly didn't get those loving arms, those gentle kisses, and those super incredible words of, I love you. You're incredible. You're amazing. Look how hard you try. And there is so much healing when you can be that for yourself. It essentially rewrites the way the past lives inside you. It rewires your brain. It rewires your nervous system. It allows that little boy to be loved inside of all his pain. Because inside your practice, right, imagining him not in pain, imagining the whole version of him, that's beautiful, but you're also not validating that what happened really happened. And there's healing and validating, not making him a victim of it, but validating that that wasn't okay. 
What's happening for you? I'm just thinking, looking back, the two points are, even though my upbringing was on the whole completely loving, it seems to be always something coming as being human to attach some kind of conditional victimhood to whatever happened. So the three things, such as the upbringing, there's something whereby the imperfections of any upbringing, it might not be that there was trauma or abuse as conscious, but also whereby being allowed to do whatever I like or wanted there's this the saboteurs in my parents that there's always something that it is like too much sheltering meant that there was not enough of me growing or wishing that I could have some more specific guidance it's been interesting to look back and go well, where was that if there was some deficiency in my, how my parents brought me up it's quite difficult to see so much shelter than seeing some anger every now and again that was traumatic just to see my dad being angry because I never I didn't see it very much so there's where it is in the upbringing and the other thing is more seeing how others had more trauma in their lives and seeing the anger in them as kids or as older people and then there's the system of like I said before, the system of what is perceived as intelligent and if you're not a certain way, there was resentment against the system. There was never any resentment against my parents until I thought, how come they didn't know to tell me how to do this or how to do that, as it were, to be, they wouldn't have known either. So it's just really interesting. It's just really interesting where it might have even stemmed from other than it being resentment against the system and then that causing me to stay safe and not communicate, which meant that my relationships have not flourished as I would like romantic relationships through not necessarily knowing how to communicate as well or believing that. Yeah, there's a lot circling there, right? So our parents love us and they do the very best they can. For some families and for some kids, that's a really a lot, a beautiful life. And for other families and children, not so much. But at the root of it, those parents are doing the best that they are capable of. And so in this way of being with our younger selves, there's no blame of our parents. There's just accountability for now we get to take care of ourselves and we release our parents from their responsibility for our emotions, our feelings, our lives. And it's a way to claim back and empower yourself that you are the creator of your life in that space. And then what's also happening, right, when you talk about trauma, what I understand and experience about trauma, it's not necessarily the event, right? There's an incredible spectrum of a small thing that can happen to one person, and they're incredibly traumatized by it. 
And then some really horrific things can happen to some people and they end up okay. And so what I have learned and seen is that what actually denotes the level of trauma is the level of aloneness that you experienced inside of certain events. So if you have something incredibly traumatic happen, but you're supported, you're going to walk through that very differently to somebody who had something small happen, but they were alone. And so it now became exacerbated inside them because nobody supported them and helped them understand it. So for you, maybe there's a level of aloneness that happened inside of this journey where people didn't understand your intricate way of communicating and learning. And you were sort of shoved inside this box of how you needed to be or were supposed to be. And there's an equating of love, like, okay, we can love you if you look this way and act this way and learn this way. And I'm not specifically talking about your parents. I'm talking about just people in general, maybe your classmates, your friends, where you believed that you were unworthy of love because you were not able to learn in this one way that you were told you needed to. Yeah, that's really interesting is, like you say, there's upbringings where there's clearly the parents are upset and they're passing negative emotions, let's just call it negative emotions, whereby the child wants to get away and be responsible for themselves as quickly as possible, for instance, as a reactive response. And then there's what is maybe slightly less apparent. There's the having being sheltered so much that I didn't learn responsibility how to look after myself for a very long time. The word that comes up for me with that is trust yourself. Yeah, exactly. Trusting myself. And that's my word of the year, trust, to be be working on trust. It's my top level word um, to trust. And so one other thing I'd say is that because I felt like able to thrive within whatever I wanted to create and be, even if I didn't know about looking after myself, I felt that I didn't necessarily relate to the way other people would talk about things and therefore would feel the aloneness part of it because they wouldn't necessarily know how to explain what that felt like to others because they wouldn't necessarily get it as such to have an imagination that is more high level and not I say high level but that's what the thing is and maybe the fear of looking superior in some way, shape or form, because I was able to have an untarnished dream of the world and how I feel like everyone could get on better if they weren't so self-sabotaged. And I had that all the way through, but not know how to explain it. And now I, I love to teach it. I love to teach that process. There can be a little bit of that victim energy gets threaded through there, right? It brings in the lie that we all live inside of that we're separate. So that part of you that's telling you that others wouldn't understand you, they wouldn't understand this version that you have of the world, and that's a lie, right? That's something that keeps you safe. It keeps you from being hurt by people, and it's very protective of you, and yet it's not the truth because the more and more that I do this work, and I'm sure that you see this too, 
is that we're all connected. We're all struggling with the same things, just dressed in different clothing. And by thinking other people won't get us, we just perpetuate the lie of separation and we can cocoon ourselves and not have to feel things that are uncomfortable. Yep. Yeah, I agree. The only way to explain what might be going on, even though I'm explaining what is going on for me right now, and it doesn't mean I'm believing that to be true, as, as it were. I'm just, it's like to be able to say, this is the issue that's going on for me and in the background, but I don't believe that it's fixed mm-hmm. as well. And that's where I might be able to zoom out really easily and go, well, I'm interested in knowing or understanding more, acting out more what's possible to change in myself so that I don't have that resistance coming up as much. Or when it does, it springboards me into the reality that that I want to be creating. Yeah. So the way I see it is there's the version of you that you allow others to see. And then there's the version of yourself that you believe yourself to be. And some of that is authentically you. And some of that is conditioned you or storied you, right? The part that is, it's like the layered inside is the authentic. And then there's the layers of conditioning and beliefs and stories that you wear. But then there's also this person that you show to the world. So what I have experienced and understand is that the more all of those things can be your authentic you, the easier it will be to show up in the moment for your conversations. The truth of you just emanates from you because you're not trying to juggle all these different parts. And you know, before the call, we were talking about how you need to take processing time. And what I'm seeing is the processing time is a product of this separation of yourself. And at the heart of this is that little boy and that way your heart was broken. And so healing that, because I know you came asking for what is something to focus on, what can you do as you move forward? And I see you working with that little boy in a really deep way and allowing your heart to heal and then really bringing all of you into alignment, like this truth of you and this word trust that you have, the more you trust who you are, the more your life is going to reflect that back to you. You're going to step into a relationship and a conversation is going to come up. And if the truth of you is present, that conversation will flow. But right now, there's the truth of you, there's the conditioned you, there's the part you show to the world, and it feels like it's ricocheting off all of them, and then you have to pause because you don't know how to respond because you're lost in all these different parts. Yeah, that makes sense. This is a reflection of what I feel like I'm doing daily, which is great. This doesn't feel like it's something... Like, oh, how do I do that? I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm doing it. So that's reaffirming, reassuring, and I can trust the process. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and it's interesting as you're talking, so the way that I saw your heart chakra in the very beginning was very faceted, like it was broken into these sort of faceted pieces. And then as you're talking about what you're doing, and we're talking about these different parts of you, each of those is looking or taking the shape of one of those facets, and your heart is drawing them back into it. So as if it's like rebuilding and recreating itself with this authentic truth of who you are. And so all the pieces, you have them, right? They're showing me that all the pieces are there. (laughs) They just got disconnected from your heart and they're actually, your energetic field has moved them from your heart chakra and put them on the edges of your energetic field in order to protect you. And so part of your practice in these what you're doing, if you want to visualize those heart pieces and with each healing modality you do in each meditation, bring those pieces from the edge of your aura back to your heart. Can you describe those pieces again? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So the way I see energy is it gets broken is sort of the word, but it doesn't denote that you are broken as a person. It's just energy. And when it gets broken, it gets stuck in places because it's helping us, right? It thinks that if I take a piece out of your heart that was hurt and I put it over here and it gets broken into the story actually, right? In this case. So your pieces are still stuck in the story that isn't you. And it's feeding that story because it thinks that story is protecting you. So you can actually gather those pieces back. Like if you imagine shattered glass or a broken mirror, and you can look and just intuit, where are my heart pieces? And you can go and collect them. You can just pull them back and then offer them to your heart. Don't shove them in. Just hold them on a flat palm and offer them to your heart. And your heart will take back what's yours and what it wants. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. What are you taking away from our call today? That the stories that aren't true bring up the waves of resistance or fear. They show up at points and that it's just focus. It's just focus on, and it puts energy into places that mean that I freeze or don't don't do things in the way that I truly want, which means it gives me even more impetus to practice piecing things back to the whole, using trust and compassion as a daily routine. And even sometimes momentarily routine (laughs) is necessary. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) It is. Our life is lived moment by moment. Does this feel like an okay place to land today? Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Mm, Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you for being here today and making your personal and spiritual growth a priority in your life. To learn more about connecting with your dreams and your intuition so that you can create a life full of possibilities, visit me at www.sarahnoble.com and see how we can create magic together. A big thank you from my heart to yours for making the planet a better place for us all.